1: Hey, hey, hey! What's cracking? And welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. I'm your host, Darren Fatman McDuffie. Tonight we have an explosive show for you. We're going to be actually be talking about vaccinations, very, very controversial tar- uh, topic. And we have Barbara Low Fisher, who is one of the founders of the National Vaccine Information Center. So we'll be talking to her very, very shortly. Don't have a lot of time with her tonight. Only 30 minutes. And she said she might be able to stay over a little extra time. But if I ask for 30 minutes, I generally try to to interview people with the time that I ask for. So I'm just going to keep her about 30 minutes. Um going to get into the interview. But before we do, make sure you connect with me through social media. I always say that. Go like the fan page on Facebook, f- facebook.com slash I'm the fat man. You can also connect with me on Twitter. It's the fat underscore man. And then I'm also on Pinterest as well, and you can find me on Pinterest under the same handle, The Fat Man. So without further ado, let me bring Barbara Lowe Fisher on from the National Vaccine Information Center. Hold on one second here. Barbara Lowe Fisher, welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. How are you tonight?
0: I'm just great. Thank you for inviting me to be on your show.
1: Thank you. I feel honored that you would be on my show. I was actually looking for uh, someone and – I um, and I'm ashamed to say this. I didn't know anything about you. And Dr. Shauna Young had mentioned that you are the person to go to for vaccines, and and she uh, mentioned your name. And I found your website and uh, got in touch with, uh, I guess, Paul. And Paul kind of uh, got us hooked up with the uh, yeah. with the interview tonight. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm so yes, yeah, so I'm very very glad to have you because this is a topic that's been on my mind for for a while now, and I wanted to get someone on who who's uh, educated and could actually speak uh, about the topic. So um, can you kind of tell us how did you get started with this? I looked at your YouTube video and took a a, a gander at the site, so to speak. But um, can you kind of tell us how you got started in this whole vaccination, this crazy world of vaccinations, rather?
0: It's been a long journey. I've been doing this work for 33 years. I co-founded the National Vaccine Information Center, what's known as NVIC, uh, in 1982 with other parents whose children had been injured or had died from the effects of DPT vaccine. My son had had a convulsion, a collapsed shock, and brain inflammation within hours of his fourth DPT shot when he was two and a half. And I, I, was, uh, I came from a medical family. My mom was a nurse. I had many medical professionals in my family. And I thought I knew a lot about medicine. I'd worked at a teaching hospital as a writer. And I really didn't know anything about vaccines. And When my son had this severe reaction, which I actually witnessed, I didn't know what I was witnessing, and when I realized what had happened to him, and when I started to do the research into the medical literature, because I had worked at a teaching hospital, I was familiar with medical literature, I was just shocked to find out that doctors have been talking in the pages of medical journals for decades about how dpt vaccine could brain injure children and i and but they never had told the parents and they never told us what to look for in terms of vaccine reactions and the other parents i got together with felt the same way we felt that we there needed to be some type of a a place for parents to come and get the real information so that they could protect their children uh from uh, vaccine reactions and Uh, could get doctors involved in trying to monitor vaccine reactions. That hasn't really happened. But what we have done is we have raised awareness that you you shouldn't just take your child in without having more information about both the diseases, the risks and complications of the diseases, because there are risks associated with diseases, as well as the risks and complications of vaccines. And we, we don't give medical advice. We don't tell people what to do. We just say get empowered with information so you can make good decisions.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to kind of attack um the ingredients because there's a lot of controversy around the ingredients. What what should be we, we be looking out for when uh with these vaccines?
0: Well, I think that it's not just about ingredients. I mean, we can certainly talk about ingredients mm-hmm. because every vaccine has different ingredients in it. Any everything from People have heard about the mercury preservatives uh, that have been in vaccines now with a single-dose vials of vaccine. Uh, most vaccines don't contain mercury. Influenza vaccine does, though. So if you want to get a mercury-free influenza shot for your child, you have to ask for it because otherwise it has mercury in it. Um, now, the live virus influenza vaccine that you squirt up the nose doesn't, but the injectable, the shot does unless it's a single-dose vial. There are things like aluminum adjuvants in vaccines and in the, in the in the shots, not the uh, not uh, the live virus vaccines like MMR don't contain aluminum, but the DTAP shot does. and So aluminum adjuvants can also be reactive. Aluminum is something that can you know, you don't want that to, to go into your brain. You don't want to have it be in your body uh, and people who can't get rid of aluminum from the body just like they can't get rid of mercury from the body have can have you know problems with the vaccines that contain aluminum but there's another thing that happens and that is that if you have certain certain genes or certain predispositions uh to not being able to handle inflammation in the body cuz vaccines do cause inflammation in the body they have to in order for an antibody response in order for there to be a protective response If you come from a family that doesn't handle inflammation very well, you can have a problem with these vaccines. And so it's not just about the ingredients, but it's about the atypical manipulation of the immune system through vaccination that can cause some people to have problems. And that's why we encourage people. Our website is full of information that's very referenced. You know, you go on our website, you see that I reference exhaustively so that people know that when I make a statement or we make a statement that they could go back to the original source uh, yeah. of that statement, so it's a complex issue it's not easy it's not easy to become informed because there are sixteen vaccines now. when I was giving my children vaccinations in the in the seventies and eighties, there were only seven vaccines that children were getting now it's sixteen and sixty nine doses of sixteen vaccines that the government recommends. And that's from day of birth through age 18, which means that our children are constantly being vaccinated. Their experience is very, very different from what children decades ago experienced. And what a lot of parents are asking is, why are so many highly vaccinated children so sick today? Why are they always never well? Why are there so many learning disabled kids? One in six children in America uh, is learning disabled now. And and one in uh, ten has ADHD, one in nine has asthma, one in fifty is being diagnosed with autism, and one in four hundred with diabetes. So we have a lot of kids who, no, are not getting acute illness like measles, mumps, rubella, chickenpox. Like they, like I had all those things as a, because I grew up in the fifties, but children today don't. Uh, have the full expression of these childhood diseases. They are being vaccinated and in order to try to, what the the authorities say, is control the circulation of the viruses and bacteria in, in the population. The interesting thing is there's more and more coming out that these vaccines are not d- actually doing that, that there's a lot of, quote, vaccine failures, that there's waning immunity. Uh, so it's not only about risk of a reaction. But we're now talking about vaccine failures. And that's something that's very much in the news right now with the measles outbreak. Uh,
1: Yeah, I wanted to to actually talk with that towards the uh, end of the show and get into that. Um, You mentioned reactions. You mentioned that you've been doing this for for a while and that your son had a a reaction to a vaccine. Mm -hmm. Um, In doing this over the years, what are some of the most severe reactions that you have? And what kind of most Maybe the most severe and the most subtle reactions that people can have, and not and, and parents can see in their child and not really correlate that with the, with a vaccination. The most subtle, mm-hmm. rather.
0: Right. Well, first of all, you've got to know how to recognize a a reaction, because some different vaccines have different time periods for when a reaction can occur. Like the pertussis vaccine and the DTaP shot, kids get five to six shots of DTaP. Diphtheria, tetanus, and acellular pertussis vaccine. Um, They usually occur within seven days, but usually within the first 72 hours. And those reactions can be high pitched screaming, where the child is screaming and arching the back. It's also called the encephalitic cry. It can be a sign of brain inflammation. Uh, Where the baby's not responsive, won't wake up. That's what happened to part of the reaction that happened to my son. He had a convulsion and that I didn't realize when his eyes rolled back in his head and his head fell on his shoulder and, he, and he, I couldn't wake him up. He had had a convulsion and a collapsed shock, which is quite common to DPT. Uh, but, you know, when you see your child your child behaving in a totally different way after vaccination where the child could be twitching or jerking the body, that could be a sign of convulsion, crossing of the eyes, rolling of the eyes back in the head till you can see the whites of the eyes. Uh, where the the child is, you know, you can't wake him up. That uh, you in in a, in a normal way, you just can't wake the child up. It's just like that could be unconsciousness. Um, it, if you see your child, like after vaccination, lose skills, not be able to roll over anymore, or sit up, or stand up, not wanting to make eye contact anymore, uh, acting as if he can't hear you when you speak. Um, you know becoming very hyperactive or changing sleep patterns uh seeming to be very very fussy all the time not being able to sleep or sleeping too long all of the things that your baby wouldn't normally do you need to to write it down and you need to tell your doctor about it now most doctors today just don't want to hear about it they'll say oh it was a normal it's normal don't worry about it <laughs> You know, I'm a big, big uh, supporter of writing it down, getting it into the into the medical record if you can get the doctor to do that, and monitoring your child carefully because if there's loss of skills, loss of, of speech, loss of ability to do things, that needs to be in the medical record. And one of the reasons is that if it turns out your child has had a reaction that ends with chronic disease, uh, disability, you only have three years to file in the Federal Vaccine Injury Compensation Program. Because in 1986, the government indemnified the vaccine makers from civil lawsuits for vaccine injuries, and there's this Federal Compensation Program now. You only have three years from the first sign of uh, that there's something wrong with your child to get to apply for compensation, and if if a death occurs, you only have two years from that Vaccine death to to file in the compensation program. So, you know, there's there's all kinds of reasons why people really need to understand what a reaction looks like and and if there is health deterioration after vaccination to make sure it's in the medical record.
1: Yeah. Have there been any any fatalities from from these vaccines in oh, children? Oh,
0: absolutely. Oh, yeah. There's the compensation program is awarded uh, about three billion dollars uh, to people who have had vaccine injuries or ha- or the children have died. Um, the leading in, uh, uh, vaccine that's compensated right now is a pertussis, is pertussis vaccine, the one that hurt my, my son. Um, influenza vaccines, there have been a lot of uh, awards for influenza vaccines, a measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine. Um, so you can go online onto our website and you can get connected with the compensation program and look at the statistics, look at the awards that have been given. Um, The Institute of Medicine has published a series of reports in the last 20 years acknowledging that vaccines can cause brain inflammation, permanent brain injury, um, arthritis, um, uh, different kinds of chronic diseases. Now, the, the government officials say it doesn't happen very often, that it's very rare. My experience is, from taking reports from parents around the country for three decades is that it's not as rare as the government is saying that it's is it getting? Often.
1: Is it actually getting better or worse?
0: I think it's getting worse because there are more vaccines now and they're giving so many vaccines on one day. Cause when my children were being vaccinated, the most a child would get on one day was four vaccines. Like they would get a, a combination DPT shot and an oral polio vaccine, uh, or they might get a combination MMR shot. That's it on one day. Now kids are getting eight, ten, twelve vaccines on one day, and so when the, when there is a reaction and a, a deterioration in health, it's very hard to know which vaccine did it, or whether it was a combination of vaccines. So it's getting the, as the schedule gets bigger. And the, it's getting harder to figure out which vaccine may be the one or the combination of vaccines that that you know was the problem.
1: Right, Barbara. I had read somewhere, and I don't, and I kind of wanted to. This is a question for everyone out there, but a question for myself. I do like you. I do a lot of research, and I read a lot of stuff. I read that there was a link between vacci- uh, vaccinations and autism. And obviously, you know, we have a, a lot of autistic kids, a lot of autistic children now. And then I read something that the doctor who discovered this link said it was they said it was uh, it wasn't correct. So in in doing this for 33 years, like you have done, what is your what have you seen a link between vaccinations and the, the rising rates of autism in our children?
0: What I've seen is as the vaccine schedule has increased, as there have been more vaccines added, I've seen more children suffering what we call brain dysfunction, immune dysfunction. And I like to say it that way rather than putting a label on it because it's very convenient to put labels on on, on clinical symptoms and then say, well, that that uh constellation of clinical symptoms that you know combination of clinical symptoms we can separate that out from 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 what we think vaccines do i think the label autism if you look at autism spectrum disorders and you actually look at the symptoms you see it's brain and immune system dysfunction it's brains and immune systems that are not working properly so I don't like to use the word autism because, because there are children who have been compensated in, by the federal government who have had brain inflammation, also known as encephalopathy. That's a big word, but encephalopathy. They have gone on to have chronic brain dysfunction or brain damage, and they have autistic, they have autistic behaviors and they have been compensated. So, you know, there's the, the old saying, uh, you know, a rose by any other name is still a rose. <laughs> I say mm-hmm. brain damage by any other name is still brain damage. Exactly. And, you know, I think that, that we really have to be careful to not say that children who who have brain inflammation after vaccination and then regress and their symptoms have they – they have autistic symptoms as well as allergies and intestinal bowel disease and all this. That 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 the vaccine did not play a role in that. I don't think you can say that, that because the scientific studies to look at that have not really been done.
1: Right, right. Um, the next thing I kind of wanted to cover was the um, way to avoid. Like you have some you have some people out there who are diehard. I know when I was a child, my mom made me go. We had to go. We get got shot so you could go and enter school. If there's a parent out there who just is far away from vaccinations, they don't want these things in their kids. How do they go about um, convincing school uh, that they don't want their child vaccinated? Is there some kind of legal ramification or something that they can do in order to um, circumvent the vaccinations before entering school?
0: Well, all states, all 50 states have medical exemptions, but those exemptions are very hard to get because the government has – really restricted the definition of a of a medical reason that you would not give a vaccine or defer a vaccine. So, unfortunately, almost no medical condition qualifies as a reason not to vaccinate. This is this is a real problem. And that's why my organization, and you can get to my website at mbic.org, we support flexible medical exemptions in all vaccine laws that doctors should be able to give medical exemptions to people if they believe that people aren't candidates for vaccination and not be second-guessed by government health officials. That's what's happening. Doctors are afraid to give medical exemptions. Secondly, all but two states have a religious exemption. Mississippi and West Virginia do not have a, a religious exemption, but all other states do. And those exemptions are awarded are differently for different states because vaccine laws are state not, state laws. The federal government makes recommendations. The states make mandates. So that's why we encourage everyone to get on our NBIC advocacy portal and learn how you can protect exemptions in your state. There are 17 states that have what we call a philosophical, personal belief, or conscientious belief exemption. And in those states, you can have, for conscience reasons or philosophical reasons, you can take an exemption. Now, what's happening right now is the pharma lobby, a pharma-led lobby, is trying to take all non-medical exemptions away So parents cannot have any exemptions unless a doctor writes it. Well, already doctors can't write it. (laughs) So that means what we're going to have is a mandatory vaccination, no liability on the part of the companies who make and sell the vaccines, no liability on the part of the doctors or anyone who gives the vaccines, obviously no liability on the part of the government that mandates vaccines. The only people that are going to be, you know, we just aren't going to have any rights. So we right. we are very very concerned that parents have got to get active. We need to hear from parents who want to work in their states because we will we are we are trying to educate people about how to talk to their legislators and make their voices heard. And we're not telling people not to vaccinate. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is we need to still have the freedom to make a choice.
1: Right. What about the exemptions extending into uh for instance uh, uh nursing? because I've heard where nurses have to have a flu shot and some of them don't want to get the shot is there any legislation out there that's coming about to where you can refuse if you work in a medical field that you can refuse to get a shot
0: No uh, we 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 are uh, supportive of that we we have called for flexible medical religious and conscience belief exemptions for the healthcare workers as well as well because they are being fired Healthcare workers if they do not get the annual flu shot or they do not get all the government recommended vaccines are being fired. So people if they, if you're thinking about going to the medical profession, you better try to search and you don't want to get all the vaccines, you better you better search for a, a hospital that still will allow you to work there. Um I, I think probably eventually you will not be able to go into a hospital as a patient if you have not had all the vaccines. I also think you won't people to visit people in hospitals unless you've had all the vaccines. The way this is going right now because if you look at what's happening with the 51 cases, confirmed cases of measles in Disneyland, there are already major newspapers, you know, calling for an end to all uh all non-medical exemptions. So, it's gotten very, very intense and, you know, there's a lot of money at stake. The the vaccine business is a multibillion-dollar global business uh there are a lot of people who want to take a no exceptions approach who are operating the mass vaccination system. So unless the people really get active and and go to their legislature so legislators and say, you know, we want the right to have informed consent to using these products. These are these are pharmaceutical products vaccines. And yeah. you know, we're not all the same. We don't act we don't react the same way to pharmaceutical products so we don't act the same react the same way to vaccines some of us for some of us vaccines don't even you know they don't even induce an antibody response they they have no protection uh, for others the waning immunity you know you only have a couple of years of vaccine acquired immunity uh, and for others you have very serious vaccine reactions I mean these are products that should not uh, be forced on people without their informed consent
1: yeah. Yeah, before I got you, I have think I have you for about a couple more minutes here about seven more minutes. But before we get into the whole California measles Disneyland thing, I wanted to um I was looking at the video on your website last night and I did a YouTube video on this like 2 years ago about the flu shot and I wanted people out there to hear it straight from you about the the effectiveness of the flu shot, because you see, I live in Florida and I see it all the time. I walk into a Walgreens, I walk into a CVS and they're always advertising the flu shot. And mainly you see a lot of the senior citizens, uh, electing to get the flu shot. And then you have someone, you know, the younger demographic, they they elect to get it as well. But how effective is the flu shot?
0: (laughs) This year, not at all. I mean, they totally missed the strain, that is, go- it is making people sick, it's not in the vaccine. But the flu shot has been ineffective, relatively ineffective, for the whole time it's been on the market, even back when they were only recommending it for people over 65 about 20 years ago. And then they, they, they wanted a bigger market, is my guess, and they started to lower it. So now every single person in the United States, every year from the age of six months to the year of death, is supposed to get an annual flu shot and uh and yet the effectiveness of the vaccine is from from any any given year is from 0 to i think max 60%. Mm-hmm. That's a really you, ineffective product.
1: Yeah, you made a really good analogy on the video. I can't remember what it, it was. You said something about a car about uh, if a car only worked uh 60% right. of the time, <laughs> would it be a good car? I <laughs> and, mean, and it's a no brainer.
0: Seatbelts only it only work, in this case, this year they're saying it's 23% effective, only work 23% of the time? Is that a car that the government should mandate you drive? I mean, no. nobody would buy a car that seatbelts failed 23% of the time.
1: That's, that's crazy, but people just run and they get a flu shot. I, I don't, I don't know what it is, and they, and most of the people that do that, they're the ones that end up getting sick. I have a ton of people that I work around now, and they are all like, "Oh, I think I have the flu." I don't know if they got the shot, but it just goes to show you that you know it's 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 going around, and people still, it's just, it's amazing to me. It's just amazing to me. Yes,
0: it, yeah. it, I know people just don't get they don't. They, they, I think it's it's about trusting blindly. People are not where they're used to going or researching if they're going to buy a new car or buy a new house, or uh, you know anything they really care about. They they will kind of look around and and decide. Will make a choice, but with with vaccines, it's like you're not supposed to ask ask any questions. You're just supposed to roll up your sleeve and do it. You're supposed to have faith that everything's going to be okay. The problem is sometimes it's not.
1: Yeah. L- last. Four minutes we have here, and you said you could stay a little bit longer, but I don't want to keep you that long. What the heck is going on with California? And from the standpoint, Barbara, of you have this whole thing. I think something like this happened maybe a couple of months ago because I was reading about it, and then this recently happened. But when you look at the comments from people, you have the people who are pro-vaccine, and you have the people who are anti-vaccine, and you never really get the full story. Did this thing start from someone who wasn't vaccinated, or did it start from someone who was vaccinated? Or do we even know the full story? Do we even, do we even get the real story in the, uh, in the newspaper or, or, or on the Internet?
0: You're definitely not getting the, the, the real story in mainstream media. Absolutely not. Because on January 23, on, uh, the CDC issued a health advisory and said, quote, no source case for the outbreak has been identified at disneyland so they don't know who brought it in there are 51 cases they say that have been lab confirmed now that's not very many cases in a population as big as ours of 320 million people there are 38 million people in in california immediately i mean within a day of that story breaking out in the la times People were, I mean, the media, there were editorials and there were articles about it was all the fault of the unvaccinated people, people who had taken personal belief exemptions, non-medical exemptions for their children. They were calling people names. They were saying that children with vaccine-related brain injuries are genetic mutants, and they're calling mothers of vaccinated children liars and witches on on the comment boards on these newspapers. It was just horrible. And then you had pediatricians, you know, getting up and, and saying to you know mainstream media that uh, that people were dumb and they were selfish if they didn't get the uh, two doses of MMR vaccine or indeed follow the government recommended schedule. So a lot of name calling going on. The, there were 644 cases of measles reported in America last year. We're talking about 51 cases this year. So there's something else is going on, and what's going on is they want to take away the exemptions, and the other thing they want to do is they want a third MMR shot, to, MMR shot to be given to adults, they, because the vaccine, just like pertussis vaccine, and the Mumps vaccine is failing as well. These vaccines only give you temporary immunity, and they're saying that it, it gives you herd immunity. Well, that's not what we're seeing now. We're seeing failures of these vaccines to give long-term immunity. And so I think they're trying to cover up what really is going on, which is these vaccines are failing. Mm-hmm. And, and and they, you know, I had, I mean, all of us from my generation, when I was growing up in the 50s, we all had these these diseases. Yes, some, some children. In 1960, before the measles vaccine was introduced in this country, that's many years ago, <laughs> uh, there were 380 deaths attributed to measles. Now that's a lot of that's a lot of deaths, but when you put that into perspective of the millions of people in this country, and when you look at the other causes of death and disability in this country, it is not what they're trying to say it is. It is what, it's it's all relative, and you know it seems to me that we should be putting money in, in into research to help people get through some of the normal childhood diseases. Chickenpox is an excellent example. Chickenpox. They just, there were a hundred deaths from chickenpox in the U.S. before the chickenpox vaccine was licensed, and then it quickly became mandated for children. This is in 1995. A hundred ca- cases of death of death deaths associated with chickenpox, live chicken uh, or vaccine uh, not vaccine strain chickenpox, but the real chickenpox. So you had fifty adults and fifty children who had a problem with chickenpox and died. Out of you know a hundred, several hundred million people, you know it seems to me that we should be trying to find ways to help people get through infections, infectious diseases, without having severe complications, instead of saying we have to have vaccines to prevent all infectious disease, because that indeed is the approach that's being taken. There are hundreds of vaccines that are being developed for every single thing you can imagine from the common cold to tooth decay uh, to acne to cocaine addiction, I mean, you name it, they've got a vaccine that they're making for it. And the question becomes, how many times are we going to atypically manipulate the immune system by you know, vaccinating people for everything before there is some pretty serious health consequences for our entire population? I think we're already seeing it but we are going to see a lot more of it if we don't have the right to make vaccine choices.
1: Right. I always tell people, follow the money, just (laughs) wherever the money is. That's why we're, we're on this trail. Just follow the money. I think Um, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I spent some time in the pharmaceutical industry myself and what I learned in there was astounding uh, just to say, and I learned so much more when I got out of the industry, but I learned a lot when I was in there, and uh, it really kind of changed my my viewpoint. Um, is there what is your website uh, for people to go through if they want to know this information? Because your website is really detailed; it's a lot of stuff on there. How to file, um, you know, different links between vaccines, and I think I looked up uh, I was looking at autism and, and different things last night. But what is the website address?
0: it's nvic.org for National Vaccine Information Center and on there we also have nvicadvocacy.org that's a communications network if you want to be active in your state to help pro- protect your your state from getting these exemptions removed you can go to nvicadvocacy.org and sign up it's free and you will get into your e- in your email box when legislation is moving in your state that's going to take those exemptions away and then you'll be you'll be able to on your on your phone, your smartphone or your computer or tablet, you'll be able to be put immediately in touch with your own legislator with a touch of a, a you know, keystroke. You'll be able to to actually email or call your own legislator and let them know that you either want them to support or or not support a piece of legislation, depending upon how you feel about it. But it's a great way to become active in this issue.
1: Yeah, and what if they want to contact you directly, Barbara, or contact your um, your organization? How would they do that? What's the phone number?
0: Well, on, well, on the it's a better to go through. We have a contact MVA. It's on our website where you okay. It, you you click on contact where it's contact us. We've got a fact a huge thing about uh frequently asked questions as well. But you can go through if you want to contact us, go through there. Or if you want to sign up for the portal, that'll also put you in touch with other people in your state.
1: Okay, great, great. Barbara Lo Fisher, thank you so much for being perfectly on well, perfectly healthy and tone radio. I really enjoyed this uh interview.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: All right, thanks and have a great evening.
0: You too. Bye bye.
1: All right. Bye bye. Wow. Explosive show tonight. Really good show about vaccinations and uh, especially the part about the California and what's going on in California. I always find it really odd that the pro-vacciners blame the anti-vacciners and no one really actually ever gets the full story. And you heard it from someone who is has a breadth of a breadth of knowledge on this uh, particular subject that, um no one is really getting the full story we know nothing when it comes to the mainstream media it's all about in my opinion a a lot of manipulation and it's always two sides of the story but no one is really getting and then there's the story there's the truth it's two sides of every story then there's the truth but um hope you enjoyed the show tonight Uh, Please spread the show around. There's a lot of parents out there who might have school-aged children and wondering how they can avoid vaccinations or they may not know the opinion of should they get their child vaccinated or not vaccinated. Uh, The NVIC um, website is a very, very good resource for them. So if you want to share the show with someone else, please do so and spread it around and um, build a community. So. Good show tonight. Next week, next Wednesday, we'll actually have Joey Lott on. Joey Lott's going to be talking about natural deception, about some of the things that go on in the organic food industry. Should be a powerful show. Uh, I'm finishing up the book now, the Kindle book now, rather. And I'm going to ask him some questions. Some, some things that you're buying organic that you may not know that goes on in our organic industry. And I'm a real big advocate of organic food, and there are some things that kind of opened my eyes about the whole industry and what's going on with our farming practices. So be sure to tune in to that show as well. If you have the specific questions um, that I might be able to reach out and ask Barbara about the show tonight, you can email me. My email is darren at fat, that's P-H-A-T dash man dot com. So darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at fat com. I'll be glad to get those over to her. If you have some questions that you might've been listening tonight, but I'm a little bit uh, timid on uh, uh, asking your question, uh, do please email it over to me and I can get it to her. But again, thank you for listening. Really good episode tonight. You can always go on blog talk radio and listen to the episode again. If there's something that you missed or you can subscribe in iTunes and you can just download it in iTunes and listen to, The show there on your iPod again thanks for listening peace and love and I'll see you on the next episode hello it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba casino Chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day low